Blog Talk Radio. Between the Lines, where each week we talk with authors and other publishing industry professionals. Normally, Joshua Graham and I are the, co- are the hosts for our show, but today we're happy to welcome back and sitting in for Joshua, Jill Erbach. It's great to have Jill here with us, and um, we'd like to take a moment to invite you to connect with us on our website at www.dialoguebtl.com. That's that BTL stands for Between the Lines, DialogueBTL.com. Those of you in our chat room listening today to the broadcast, don't forget to ask some questions because each week we offer up a few choice chat room questions for our guests. And um, stay tuned because in just a few short minutes we'll have Amazon best-selling thriller and mystery author Gary Ponzo. I'm sure this morning's talk will be amazing. So, Jill, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm ha- I'm great, and I'm so glad to be back here with you, Susan. Thank you. I'm glad you're here too. So, do you? Do, what's going on in your world? Are you um, writing a bunch? I bet you are. I know you're in a, a show. You're doing a show for the theater. What's going on with that? I, I am. Well, um, we open next Thursday, so we are down to the wire in tech rehearsals, rehearsing from six to ten every night. <laughs> oh my goodness! So, um, yeah, my world is filled with the sound of music. So, um, but it's but it's been great. It's going to be a great show. I I love my fellow cast members, and I'm having fun with the role. I'm Maria, and um, and what's been fun about this actually is this whole process. We started this back in early February, and um, it has actually inspired my current work in progress. So, um, so yeah. So it's been really fun to sort of have that connection. Unfortunately, the last couple of weeks it makes it even harder to um, put any time into my work in progress. But right. I'm, you know, I'm doing the best I can. But uh, but it's been really fun, both the show and what I'm working on, which is actually a middle grade novel. That's so great. Um, yeah, yeah. So um, but yeah, pretty much my it's just sound music and you know the songs um, just keep going through my head. <laughs> That's wonderful. Yeah. How about you, Susan? What's been going on in your world? Oh, boy. You know, I just got back from a long uh, teaching stint. I've been teaching on and off since the beginning of January, and uh, last weekend marked the the moment before the end. I have one more um, teaching gig in May, and then I'm done for the year until September again, I'm happy to say, because... Um, the traveling is exhausting, but um, it's so great, on the other hand, to meet all these wonderful people, you know, that are learning the craft and learning the business, and so it's it's wonderful, but it's tiring, too. But um, I also have uh, my latest novel coming out in paperback, and um, that's called, I know, it's called Spider Brains, and Spider Brains has been getting some amazing reviews, I'm happy to announce. And, because uh, it's so much fun. It's just a wonderful book. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. It is fun, and I had a ball writing it. It was probably the most fun I've had writing a story, and I think it was because 
of the um, age group. It's young adult. And I'm thinking that maybe I haven't matured enough to write real adult fiction, and that's why I had so much <laughs> fun writing spider brains. But it's lovely, and I'm having a great time. And um, the uh, book trailer is going to be coming out in June, and we're going to have the book launch in June. So everything's happening uh, at close to the end of June. So, But, you know, I, I have um, a confession. I... Uh, I'm lucky to know the guest for today's show. Um, he and I worked together at Rubens in Scottsdale, Arizona, <laughs> when we were like 19, 20. It was, we were just babies, and we had a ball. Um, Gary Ponzo is our guest on today's show, and he is probably one of the funniest people I've ever known and one of the most endearing and sweet and kind people I've ever known. Um, uh, he's written A Touch of Deceit, which ranked number one for police procedural Kindle books on Amazon. Now, A Touch of Greed has been released, and a third Nick Bracco thriller is available as an Amazon Kindle exclusive. With over 10,000 readers downloading the series in December alone, so that's huge. Um, plus, Gary Ponzo's novels have been discussed as a series, oh my goodness, for the wow. USA Network. And as an audiobook, isn't that incredible? That's I mean, this fabulous. Is, it's amazing. So you can find future updates at his website, which is GaryPonzo.com, and that's spelled G-A-R-Y-P-O-N-Z-O, as if you didn't know. So without further delay, we're going to introduce Gary Ponzo. Gary, you are on the air. Hi. Hi, Susan. Hi, Jill. Hi, Gary. Nice to talk to you. Yeah, good it's to talk so, to you guys. It's so great to have you on the show, Gary. Um, we haven't seen each other, what, for almost 30 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to mention the, the timeline, but yes. It's been... <laughs> no, I meant, I meant 13 years. Exactly. It's been exactly. Not, it's been longer than a decade, let's put it that way. Yes, it has. So, Gary, um, you... You you're an author. You're doing fabulously well. Oh my goodness, your books are just hitting all the top rankings on Amazon and other places as well. You're getting rave reviews. Your books are being talked about as TV shows and audio books. This is incredible news. Um, but I want to go back and talk about how you got started. When you you knew that you wanted to be a writer? Yeah, you know, I think I always knew I wanted to be a writer it, it, you know it's just one of those innate things that when I was even I remember my earliest memory is back in 7th 8th grade when whenever they teach you the English teacher would have you write a journal or just any writing uh you know uh, function at all they would uh, always seem to pull mine out of the pile and make copies and give it to the class and oh, wow. so I was always kind of picked uh, picked out, and and so that kind of sparked my interest. And then, um, you know, it, it just all through all through high school. But you know, this is a long time ago when you know really wasn't at. I was very. I was in. I played football, basketball, and baseball during high school. It wasn't all that cool to be a writer, and 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 so it wasn't something I really talked about a whole mm-hmm. lot. Kind of you know was a closet writer, so to speak. And um, so it wasn't until. Uh, probably didn't hit home until 12th grade when I was a senior in high school. 
um, uh, my English teacher, uh, on the way to school, on the bus, on the way to school, I remembered an assignment. I had forgotten an assignment. And so uh, the only assi- the assignment was simply write a paragraph of action. That was it. There was no other direction but just write a paragraph of action. And mm-hmm. so I'm on the bus, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I forgot this assignment. So I just scribbled down a paragraph off the top of my head, handed it in. The next day, uh, she hands it back, gives me an F, and I'm like, you know, the jig is up. She knew I did it on the bus. I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, jumpy lines or whatever. Mm-hmm. And she wrote down, F, who are you kidding? So at the end of the class, the dope that I am, I just act pretend that I don't know what she's talking about. And I said, well, why why'd you give me an F, Ms. Haney? And she said, well, you didn't write this. Oh, no. And, yeah, and that was the first time I thought, you know, it was a very flattering moment, I think. Um, and that's how I took it. And so I said, you know, that's nice of you, but I, actually I did write it. And she goes, no, you can't write something like this. <laughs> and so I said, well, yeah, I did. You know, now I'm fighting, you know, for my dignity here. And she said, look, can you do – she goes, here. She gave me a piece of paper, and in between classes she said, here, sit down and just write me another paragraph, anything. Just action. And I did. And then I handed it to her, and uh, she got really upset at me and said, you know, why are you wasting your time? Why? You're in this my entire class. You do nothing but sit there and just dream, daydream, and you don't ever participate, and you have this ability to write. You have this great ability, and you do nothing with it. What are you, why are you wasting your time, you know? And so she really wow. scold, she really kind of scolded me, but at the mm-hmm. same time it was flattering, you know. Of course, you know, some an English teacher thinking that I had this ability that I I wasn't uh, performing with. So anyway, that I think that was the time. And then and then of course I spent the next twenty years of my life um, really not doing a whole lot of writing, just because you know work gets in the way and life gets in the way, and you're in your twenties and you want to just go have fun and and. You know, and that, and it wasn't until I was, you know, in my late 30s that I realized that I should probably do something with this because the clock is ticking, you know, and I'm probably not going to be immortal. And uh, so that's when I started getting serious about it and and started uh, and started writing in earnest. Wow. So um, your your stories have been in um, the Amazing Journeys magazine and Potpourri, and then um, two of your stories have been nominated for the Pushcart Prize, which is huge. And then your Touch of Deceit won 2009 um, Southwest Writers' Conference, uh, Contest excuse me, in the thriller category. This is, this is really important, and these are important um, credentials for any author to get awards and to get recognized, especially the Pushcart Prize is huge. And, um, and I'm just wondering, when you won these Awards. I mean, you had been writing, obviously, but when you won these awards, did they help you or did they, um, and of course they helped as far as promotional purposes goes, that, that's a given, that we know, but as far as your writing goes, did you feel like you were writing the best you could or did you feel like you needed to strive even harder um, to keep up with these awards that you were getting? You know, um this is how it happened. Um, when I really did start writing seriously, like you know, spending my nights writing, I started with short stories. And the reason why I started writing short stories is I felt like I wanted to cut my teeth on something. I wanted to kind of you know learn the, my craft. 
And I felt mm-hmm. like if I, if I started with novels, I could spend five years writing a novel, and it'd be a piece of junk, and you know, or, and and it would be something that you stuck in the bottom of the of the drawer and just never did again. And I just thought with short stories, I could make my mistakes and get them out of the way and move on. And if I if I wrote a bad short story, and sometimes I could write them in, in a weekend or you know a couple of weeks, let's say. And and if it was a a piece of junk, then you know I just wasted a couple of weeks and I move on and 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 you know learn from it. Um, but what I was doing was just learning my craft, I think, and and you know just sort of fine tuning it. So the, I stayed with um, short stories for quite a long time. I wrote probably oh I spent probably five years, and that's all I did was write short stories and submit and write and sh- submit. And so when I would get uh, these nominations uh, for the Pushcart Prize, it just, you know, bolstered my ego and let me know that I had some ability and, and people in high places kind of felt. And, you know, and you have to understand, too, short stories are really, it's a, I don't want to say it's a dying art, but it's, it's almost like poetry. It's a very, you know, esoteric group of people that will read it. It's not, you know, no no one's out there you know, banging Barnes and Noble's doors down to read their short story collections, you know. So uh, it was more a function of learning my craft than trying to gain any kind of notoriety or, or you know, uh, financial gain from it. It was just more learning my craft. And so after, you know, getting the, you know, seven or eight or ten, however many short stories I've had published, after getting them published and getting notoriety and getting a lot of praise for it, um, it was... It gave me the impetus to go ahead and start writing novels and and, and get into that process. So I was reading on your blog, Gary, about um, the process of A Touch of Deceit was your first novel, correct? Correct. Okay, and so um, after you uh, got that finished and you'd found an agent and um, sort of this whole process that led you to um, publish on Amazon, right? You want to tell us a little bit about about that because I think it's fascinating, um, sort of the ups and downs you went through, and and this agent that ended up giving you some advice that um, most of us don't expect agents to do. Yeah, that's a great point. And so um, to try to capsulize everything, you know, it took me about ten years to write a touch of deceit, and. So I really was learning the process along the way, and I would I would scrap things and change things, and and I'd give them out to six people to read the book, and they'd give me their advice, and I'd do it all over again. So after about ten years, after about ten years, I figured I, I had it down. It was after after the length of time I wrote, it was really about my fifth book, really. Even though it was my first, it was really mm. my fifth, practically. You know, so um, I submitted it. Uh, to this uh, uh, Southwest Writers Award um, contest. And at, at the end of the contest, I received, uh, you know, the award for um, the thriller category for first place. And the judge for it, his name was Robert Brown, and he was an agent with Wiley Merrick. So um, he basically said uh, to me in an email, you know, this is a great work, and and uh, do you have an agent? And we, we discussed the fact that, uh, you know, he should represent me in, in trying to find a home for it. 
And, of course, I'm thrilled. I mean, here's this agent wanting my book. He wants to represent me. He thinks the world of it. And, you know, to a writer, that's all you want to hear is, is somebody with his stature. He'd been in the business 20 years, and he was just thrilled about it and really felt like it was a, a great piece of work. So after about six months, and this is going back, you know, probably three years now. This is probably about three years ago. Hmm. He tried everywhere. I mean, he really tried everywhere to try to get it published. And, you know, and at the time the recession was, you know, kicking in and uh, publishing was dwindling and, and readership uh, seemed to be, you know, being throttled down. And nobody was taking on new work, especially not from Gary Ponzo, you know, medical supply salesman from Chandler, Arizona. And that wasn't, <laughs> you know, that wasn't big priority with, you know, um, you know, the big six in, in New York. So uh, after about six months, and he really did try his best, he finally, we talked on the phone, and he was encouraging me to take this as an ebook and just publish it myself, which, you know, for an agent to tell me to do that, and he's not going to get one penny of it. And he's, we spent an hour talking about this. And uh, he even actually helped me format it. Uh, for at that time, he was formatting for Smashwords because that was a big outlet for um, uh, self-published writers back when they were called self-published before they were called indie writers, you know. But um, anyway, and we can get into all that later. But uh, he basically encouraged me to go there, and I wouldn't do it. I, I to be honest, you know, I was kind of a stuck-in-the-mud, old, traditional publisher. You know, I really want to do this, even if it's a small print uh, publisher. I really want to do this. And uh, so he w- w- worked at it. And finally, um, I said, what the heck? I mean, what, what? you know, no one else seems to want it. Why not go ahead and, and put it on Amazon as an e-book? And what's the worst that can happen? Uh, you know, nobody buys it, and uh, and it's better than sitting on in a drawer somewhere in my closet. So... Uh, I did, and and it was all due to Robert Brown uh, encouraging me to do that. That uh, that uh, that all the other success came afterward. Wow, wow! And then um, I want to go back a little bit because you mentioned that it was actually the fifth book that you wrote. No, um, well, I, I mean that metaphorically because. It wasn't the fifth. It was it was all one book. But I mean, I just literally wrote the book and then destroyed it and then wrote it. Oh, over I see what again. you're saying. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I was process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, exactly. But I mean, scrap <laughs> that. I start over. Exactly. Okay. Now tell me uh, another interesting thing I thought about this character, Nick Bracco, is um, you originally had him where he couldn't tell a lie, and yeah. then that just wasn't working for the character. Yeah, see, here's the thing. I don't know if you ever saw that movie Sex, Lies, and Videotape with James Mm-mm. Spader. You ever seen uh-huh. that movie? All right. No, I have not, yeah. It was a great movie. Anyway, um, in the movie, James Spader plays this character who, for whatever reason, he can't lie. And, and that's just one thing that he set up in his mind. He had all kinds of mental issues, all kinds of phys- you know, psychological issues. But the one way he dealt with his life, his past, and the things that he's done in his past is that he committed himself to never lying again. He had something that he caused him some great damage in the past. And so he made it a, a thing that he would never lie again and it would never cause him trouble again. Well, of course, you know, you go through life that way and it's going to cause trouble one way or the other. So um, I had Nick Bracco, my main character, in the very first version, I thought that would be great, having an FBI agent who couldn't lie. I mean, wouldn't that be 
set up all kinds of uh, conflict and, and, and so forth. But it became just such an arduous task to continue that process because during the narrative, I would have him just... Uh, it just became so cumbersome to remind the reader he can't lie, and that's why he's saying this. You know, it just right. it became more of a device. It became more of a tool, and and it was more of a, a, a you know of a gimmick than it was a real character flaw. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. And so, I, 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 you know, after a year or two of really wanting to do it, I realized that I was trying to fit a, a square peg in a round hole, and I just thought this is not working. And and I'm not even buying it, and, and if I'm not buying it, my readers aren't going to buy it. So that's when I just kind of scrapped that whole idea and just went on with him. And and, and that's when he, instead of having that affliction, because um, I, I wanted a character who was believable, who was, who was a wounded character in a way, and so he ends up having PTSD from all the action that mm. he's, you know, uh, dealt with in his, in his police career. Um, so that's, that's where the PTSD came in, and I, I wanted somebody who was vulnerable. I, I just didn't—I didn't want James Bond as my main character. I just thought I don't want somebody who is so, you know, one step ahead of you all the time. You can't get over on him. And I wanted somebody who was wounded and who had a partner who, who would cover his his behind when he needed to. And and it was more of a, a you know, a buddy kind of character because his partner is really a main character in it. So I have it. I have him being more vulnerable, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Well, I read um, A Touch of Deceit by Gary Ponzo, our guest today, and he uh, he does a remarkable job of creating a believable, sympathetic character, and I think that's what you are going for, is that, <clears throat> that like you said, vulnerable, sympathetic character that is more um, human than, like, James Bond, as you say, who has been written already and who needs to write him again. Um but you know, I, I want to read the book's description and, and uh, "Touch of Deceit" as well as "Touch of Greed." They're both on Amazon, and um, the book description for "Touch of Deceit" is: FBI agent Nick Bracco can't stop a Kurdish terrorist from firing missiles at random homes across the country. The police can't stand watch over every household, so Bracco recruits his cousin Tommy to help track down this terrorist. Tommy is in the mafia. Oh yeah, it gets messy fast as you can tr- as fast as you can turn the pages. This is a this is what a great um premise first off, but um writer director Stephen Carpenter said about Touch of Deceit, couldn't put it down and now I want more. Bravo, which is incredible. And then Judith Pearson, author of Wolves at the Door and Belly of the Beast said Gary Ponzo is simply the best new thriller writer out there. What wonderful comments by incredibly established and respected people in the entertainment business. Um, how did that feel getting the uh, uh, blurb that from uh, and the quote from Stephen Carpenter? Yeah, it, it was great. I mean, you 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 never know where that stuff's going to come from, and you never know who's going to pick it up and read it and and contact you. So uh, Stephen Carpenter is somebody that. Uh, read it and, and contacted me and and you know, it, was, it was fun. It, it was really great. I think he's actually uh, the writer now. Um, I don't know if the series is still on NBC. There was a series called Grim. Oh yeah, and, yeah. He he's actually that that's he's the one that actually produced that or wrote that or is the is the writer for that or the main writer for that. 
Um, but anyway, yes, he, he that was just wonderful praise from him. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, you never know. And, and the Internet has just opened up so many doorways, and, and, and Amazon has opened up so many doors that just simply weren't there for anybody years ago. And, and so um, I'm just, uh, you know, I can't, I can't believe what's happened since, um, gosh, just in the last six months, this thing has just really taken off. And, and um, it's just been wonderful. I can't, you know, I, I thought that if I started writing novels now, then maybe when I retired uh, 10 years from now or 15, whatever, that, you know, I could fall back on this as a hobby. And if I made 500 bucks a month, 1,000 bucks a month, uh, you know, as a little side tr- uh, hobby, that uh, it would be it would be cool. I mean, that'd be the. I remember telling people, boy, if I made five hundred bucks a month, uh, this would be the coolest five hundred bucks I ever made in my life because I'd be doing it for free, and I had been doing it for free for my whole life almost, you know. Yeah. Um, but I've surpassed far more than I <laughs> my expectations ever imagined. I never dreamed that it would be to the point where it's at now, where the the, the money that I'm making now is just ridiculous and i i'm just so blessed and and grateful uh for the readers but it, it, quite honestly and now this is the other thing too is you know now that anybody can publish a book uh you know you you have to really find your way and and f- make sure that yours stands above all the others so it's more important than ever i think for writers to make sure your work is good and and not only grammatically good but just a really taut uh storyline because it's so important that it stand out because anybody can publish a book now anybody can throw it on Amazon and and do what they want but uh when you're dealing with um reviewers who if they don't like your book they're going to tell you and it's yeah. not it doesn't matter if it's 2.99 or or whatever the price is if they spent their time reading your book and they didn't like it they're going to tell you Right. I mean, they're 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 out there, and they will tell you, and I don't blame them, you know. So it really is important, uh, like I say, more than ever. I mean, it takes me probably over a year now of really working hard every night to uh, to produce the next book. Um, and I've just started the research uh, for my fourth book now, and and I know that it'll. I, I mean, I'll be crammed to get it in by Christmas just because of the process that goes involved in. And, and producing it and, and making sure that it's exactly what I want. Uh, I send it out. Uh, I have a critique group that I send out chapter after chapter to. To we all work on each other's stuff to to make sure that it's it's um, you know just taut and tight and exactly in the characters and what you want. And then once that process is done and the book is finally finished, then I send it out to like five people who I choose that uh, most of them. Uh, don't even read, have read my book, or maybe two or three haven't, two or three haven't, and I want to get their feedback just on the whole book as a as a whole, you know, just to find out uh, what they thought of it, and I take their input and make changes accordingly, and then after that's all done, you know, I send it off to an editor who edits everything grammatically for me and makes sure that, that every single word is in the proper place and and then i send it off to a formatter to format i mean it's a it's a process you know mm-hmm. it's, it's not a it's i i take this very seriously i i, I don't you know I, I could very easily just sit here and crank out a book in three or four weeks and and get it up there and start making money and think that you know oh man this is this is just going to take off because the first three have well no i i don't ever take that for granted i always know that 
if I'm not writing quality stuff, this whole thing will go away pretty quick. And, you know, that's such good um, advice because you build a contract between you and your readers and they know that a touch of deceit was fabulous rated. They know that a touch of greed is a fabulous rated. They know your work. And so to just get lax about uh, work and throw it out there is um, is insulting, I would think, for the readers. Um, so I think that that's a, a real professional take on um, on what you're how you're progressing through your work and your and what you're doing with your writing and how you're going about formatting and doing all the laborious uh, and sometimes expensive things that you're doing. Um, and it's important. I mean, people do have to understand that uh, indie authors, serious indie authors are going through these painstaking steps just to produce a work as if, they were with a publisher, and the publisher was doing the same thing. It's very important um, and and reflects, obviously, Gary, in your work, I mean, and in your books and with your awards and, you know, the blurbs that you've been getting, this is from other people in, in the entertainment business. It's huge, and it, it's, uh, it's a good reflection on you, and I, I say bravo to you for that because... Um, you're taking it very seriously, which it is. It's a business. It's a. It, I looked at the numbers um, a couple weeks back, and the copyright industry total. Now, this is a huge industry. Was 938.1 billion dollars in 200 or, or 2010, and which made up six percent of the economy. Oh my word! Wow. That was 2010. Yeah, and then. Um, and then uh, you know there were breakdowns of what every what there were five different categories mystery thriller were were second under um romance so just those numbers show that people aren't just doing this as hobbies um you know they're doing it as a and I'm not talking writing I'm talking everything in publishing they're doing it as as a professional profession it's a business and when writers come into this arena they need to understand that they yes are making the product but it is a product and it is for sale and it is selling and it's a business first so it's great that you've got all your ducks in order this way um and and you but you also are married you have a a family life you um how do you fit the writing into your daily life uh very miserably actually um <laughs> that you know it's hard, and, and quite honestly, it's 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 harder on me because I'm not a night person necessarily as far as my brain working. I mean, I'm usually at my best in the middle of the afternoon, but that's when I'm usually working. Uh, I sell medical supplies for a living, have for like the last 25 years. My boy, uh, my daughter is 21 and lives nearby and is now going to grad school and uh, getting her second BA uh, degree because the first one, uh, wasn't what she wanted to do, so she's going on. She works full time. I mean, she's really into exercise, and she's just this wonderful, beautiful girl. My mm-hmm. son is ten, and he is into every sport imaginable. He plays <laughs> he plays basketball and football year round. Wow. So, and wow. in Arizona, in Arizona, you can do that. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah. So we're we literally. He wakes up every morning, sits down in a cereal, and says, "What do I have today?" and it's always going to be, well, we have baseball practice, we have football, oh, and we have basketball, we have this and we have that. 
And if he sits down at the table and says, what do you have today? And we say nothing. It's like, oh, like what the heck now? Now what am I going to do, you know? So <clears throat> so to answer your question, um, we, I cannot do any writing at all literally until, oh, I'm, I'm going to say 8.30, 9 o'clock when everyone's asleep, when my wife yeah. goes to bed. And my wife goes to bed at the same time my son does, and I put him to bed around 8.30. And then I'll come to my office at 9 o'clock, and as long as I can keep my brain alive, that's when I'll go. And sometimes it's, uh, you know, a half hour or an hour, and sometimes it's, um, it's you know, two hours, three hours, whatever whatever I can do. And sometimes i got to make tea and try to stay awake and keep my brain awake, you know, because my brain will start just tiring. And, and, I, you know, I'm, I, and I'll sometimes wake up the next morning and read what I wrote and think, oh, my gosh, was I a mess, you know. Yeah. And I'm sure you've had that. I'm sure you've, that's happened to everyone, you know. Oh yeah. So that, but that's when I do it. I do, I do almost virtually all my writing at night when everyone's asleep, and I can have my quiet time, and the phone's not ringing, and I can just, just sit here and write and, and create my own little worlds, make myself wow. laugh, make myself laugh, and, and, and you know, cry. And I know when I, I know when I get emotional over a scene that it's working because it's my, it's my own words. You know what I mean? It's sort of mm-hmm. like trying to tickle yourself. It's kind of hard to do, but when it, when it happens, you know what I mean? <laughs> When it happens, it's like, oh wow, you know, that's pretty good. I never thought of it that way. Okay. <laughs> so then, my question is, because you obviously put a lot into the the creation of your product, you know, and 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 you're having a hard enough time carving the time out just to make that happen. But as an indie author, there's a lot that goes into the self promotion and everything. To you know. I, to make your work, you know, your work may stand out, but if nobody knows about it, then you know it's going to be harder for them to find it. So, where do you, how do you, how do you do all that promotion business side of the of the equation? You know, a great question, and I'm finding less and less time to do that. And I do have a blog, uh, which is strongscenes.com, and I do have a web page, you know, GaryPonza.com. And I'm on Facebook, and I, you know, people can like my author page, and I'm on, I have a regular Facebook page, and I do have, I'm on Twitter, but quite honestly, I, I have, I'm very dubious about the stretch of how much that really matters. I think to a certain extent, just having your name out there helps, but I doubt whether I'm selling very many books because of Facebook and Twitter and my blog and you know I might sell a book a day because of it I, I just I'm very dubious whether that really does very much anymore name <laughs> recognition name recognition possibly and I'm spending less and less time doing it because uh, of my sales increasing and I, I think most of my sales are increasing quite honestly just through Amazon's internal promotional um, uh, machine uh, they my book is showing up on some very famous authors uh Pay book pages, and so as a consequence, people that have bought this book bought that book, kind of thing, and they're seeing my book on the first page, and that I think is doing more. Plus the fact that all three of my books, A Touch of Deceit, A Touch of Revenge, and A Touch of Greed, all three of them currently right now are in the top twenty uh, uh, of top rated lists. You know, the Amazon has their top rated list of of uh, top rated uh, books in certain genres, not top sales, but top rated. And and so all three of them are in the top 20 for police procedurals 
and all three are in the top 24 spy stories and tales of intrigue. And so I think that I, that's a, a great um, uh, testament to the quality of it. You know, a lot of that's where the people are given reviews to it and feel like uh, it warrants it. And I can't, nothing I can do to make that happen. It's just random people reviewing it and liking it. And, and so I think Amazon has much, much more to, to do with my success than any of myself promoting. I, I just, uh, you know, I do my best, and, and but quite honestly, like, I, I just don't see it. I, I, I just don't see the return on investment for my any kind of uh, promotion on that. I enjoy the process. I enjoy talking with people on Facebook and Twitter, and I kind of, for me, it's more of a social thing, especially with other writers. I try to promote other writers on my blog, so I do things like that to try to uh, help other people because I always I feel like you know it's all a big community and I try to be communal with other writers. But I don't I, I'm just I don't know I I just don't really know how much that really uh, affects my sales. And mm-hmm. I don't know what what are your thoughts on that? What 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 do you find, Suze, when you're because you obviously a very well established author and you've got tremendous amount and especially with the Spider Brains the new YA fantasy I mean, you've got you know cross you know genre stuff going on. So how do you find oh, uh- yeah, I, I that thanks for referring to me on that. Um it, it's you know, I think it's different with everyone. I agree with you 100% that Amazon is the leading reason for I had something like 25,000 um downloads in um February and March for Drowning. But wow. um and yeah, and that I I attribute most of that to Amazon definitely. But you know, I have almost 3,400 friends on my Facebook page, and then, um, and it's a matter of hashtags and 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 then tagging on Twitter and um, just being present. I think on the internet because I do p- believe a lot of people, uh, you know, really look to the web for new books or or, or old books for that matter. But um, but totally agree that it's Amazon that's driving the sales although i think we need to nurture our friends and our our fans and readers on facebook because there are communities and they really do um not that they require the attention but i think they're honored by the attention that an author can give them and um and just by including them in in every aspect of your facebook life is is thanking them in one regard for just trusting you, trusting your work, and uh, and having them believe in you and, and expecting the next book, which is a thrill, a second, you know. So um, I get that, no, it's probably not selling, you know, my sales aren't driven because of Facebook, but I believe my nurturing of my readers is uh, incredibly important to me, so I do it for that reason. Yeah, and I, just to add to that, I also think that, and this is, it, it's hard to measure this aspect to it, but name recognition is probably the most valuable aspect to it. And the, this is what, the reason I say this is because, for example, if you watch a, a, a commercial, a McDonald's commercial, you, it doesn't make you want to get up and just go get a hamburger, you know? Right. It's just that you see the name, you see the name. So now anytime you're out and you want to get a burger and you see McDonald's or you see Bob's, you know, burger shop, Mm-hmm. Uh, or Bobby's Easy Diner, so to speak. Um, you know, 
you you're you're you know you're familiar with McDonald's. It's it's you're familiar with it, so that's where you head. And and I think it's the same way it can work as an author. If if your name's out there in enough times in enough places, and then all of a sudden people are browsing for books on Amazon and they see Gary Ponzo or they see Susan Wingate. They go, I know that author. What? They don't know where they know it. They might have seen it on Twitter. They might have seen it on a Facebook, you know, tag or shared link. And they're familiar with it. So huh, there's a familiarity, and they're more apt to take a chance on you because they know the name somewhere along the line. Right, right. That makes perfect sense. So uh, you mentioned earlier um, when you're going through your process about you know sending it out to your you've got a critique group, and I, I've heard many authors, you know, and and uh, new authors often saying, you know, or write, new writers, I should say, saying, oh, I don't know where to find my critique group, and, you know, I know I need one. So I'm just curious for our listeners out there, how did you find your critique group? Initially, 10, 15 years ago, it was just a group of people here in Phoenix that were writers, and I, I don't remember the time. I think it was a Barnes & Noble ad or something that I uh, responded to. Love the process, love the people, and it was great for everyone. It was a win-win. I think there's as much value in critiquing other people's work as there is people critiquing your work because mm-hmm. you see what other people are doing and you think, oh my gosh, uh, I, you can't do that. I mean, that's you're, you're changing, you know, point of view in the middle of the paragraph, and you know, and it drives home mistakes that possibly you're making in your own work. So I think it's a very, very reciprocal process i i can't say enough about it now after a while that you know people stopped writing and life moves in the way and so as a consequence now what i do is i find people literally online other writers and i'll contact them and say look would you like to join an online critique group and usually it's i like a small group just two or three people four people four people is the ideal amount because Mm -hmm. you're really you know i want it to be like every other week just pass each other chapters, and you don't want it to make it so so much of a chore that people are having to read hundreds of pages a month, and that's nobody wants to do that on uh, as a chore. So if you're you make it just a couple of people or three people, I think that's enough to give your feedback from, and yet at the same time you're not having to read too much of other people's work either, to so where it kind of gets in the way from your writing. Right, right, yeah, and you know um, that's what we do. Um, I have. A uh, an online group that meets on Skype, and there's three of us, and we pass about no more than 50 pages to one another, or at least we say, you know, 50 pages is the limit for reading. So if we throw them the entire um, novel, they'll just read 50 pages one week, and then 50 pages the next, if that. So, but it, I agree with you, Gary. That's what we do, and and it's so important in the process of writing yourself, but also keeping your writerly um, editorial eye open um, just to make sure that we um, are, are not missing missing key elements of writing and our craft. But, you know, I just want to say this has been absolutely phenomenal talking with you again. Um, it's It's great to see your career just taking off like a rocket booster and and it's fun to talk about writing, of course. And I just want to say that we have to wrap, but are there any other things that you'd like to talk about? Um, maybe something for the listeners? Yeah, uh, I will real quick. Um, Rick Mercer, who is also an indie author who's done extremely well, has a project that he approached me with a 
couple of months ago about an anthology. He's putting together an anthology of short stories, and the theme is going to be Murders at the Beach. Wow. And, yeah, and so it, the book is going to be called The Killing Sands. And he put together a group Ooh. of, I think there's seven of us, to write short stories for this project, and Rick Mercer and Danny Amore and Larry Kelter and some really, really popular uh, authors are involved in the process, and I was very uh, flattered that he uh, invited me. So they're in the process actually right now of editing the anthology, yeah. and I think it's going to be out on June 1st, and it's going to be on Amazon uh, as a as an ebook and also as a print book uh, through the Create Space. Uh huh. Um, you know, version or, or division. So it'll be available as a paperback or an ebook, and I believe it'll be June first. It'll be called "The Killing Sands." Is going to be the title. Wow. Uh, I know that's coming up next, and then and then I'm working on my fourth um, Nick Brocco book, which I'm hoping to have out by Christmas. And I, I always say that, and then I'm always off by about two three months. But uh, <laughs> that's what I'm hoping. That, and the title will be. It looks like the title is going to be "A Touch of Malice." Oh, wow. And, yeah, so uh, my wife came up with that. I'll have to give her a little plug there. Oh, so. that's great. And, yeah, so I'm I'm very excited about that, and so um, that's it. That's that's all I really have going as far as the writing stuff goes. And I do want to plug one thing. I have a buddy, uh, his name is Michael McShane, who if anybody is interested in, in reading some really, really good work, I'm reading a book of his called A Solitary Tear. His name is Michael McShane. He's also an indie author, and it's just a terrific book. Uh uh, I won't go into the details, but it's just uh, you can go to Amazon and, and read some of the reviews and some of the work on it. And, and I'm going to review it probably in the next day or two. Great book. It's definitely worth By Michael it. McShane? Michael McShane is the, is the uh, author, yes. Michael. Well, P. that's McShane. a great thing to do, too. Um, I put that in the chat room discussion as well, just so that people know Michael McShane's name as well. as Gary Ponzo, and thank you once again for being with us. It was a pleasure. I hope you, you can come back sometime soon, maybe uh, after your next book. Oh, that'd be awesome, Susan. So glad. I'm so nice to hear your voice and uh, and and hear you after all these years. So thank you. So I know much. it's great, isn't it? It is. It is. All right, you. you it take was a care. pleasure to meet you, Gary. Oh yeah, absolutely. Hey, Jill. Nice meeting you too. Thank you very much, and uh, good luck to you guys. I really mean it. Thank, thank you, you, Gary. You good luck to you too. All right. Bye bye. Bye. Well, what, that was just absolutely wonderful, and it was so much fun to hear his voice, too. Because um, I bet it was. He's such a personable guy. I really enjoyed that conversation. Isn't he wonderful? He's, yeah. And he's, he, that's how I remember him. So he's, he hasn't changed a bit. All this, this fame and, and glory and accolades it hasn't changed him a bit. It's made him amazing, and uh, I, I wouldn't expect anything less from him. But just so people know, his website is GaryPonzo.com. That's Gary, P-O-N-Z-O.com, and you can find all of his work there, his novels, his short stories. He has a blog, and um, and and the blog is, uh, I'm clicking over right now and looking at it, it's called um, strongscenecontest.com, so, uh, it's, and it's great. It, it has uh, interviews with other authors and, and their scenes that have um, Gary's picked for the blog, so it's really a, a great place to read what Gary looks at as far as strong scenes so it's really interesting to to take his perspective as well and I just want to say thank you to our absent co-host Joshua Graham who is right now um, in the process of promoting his um, new novel out by Simon & Schuster's Howard Books 
called Dark Room, and it's doing fabulously well. It is already hitting number one bestseller on Amazon and other places as well. It's really kicking up there in the ranks. I have no doubt it's going to make the New York Times bestseller list this week. I'm just looking forward to that and being oh. able to announce it. But I really want to say thank you to you, Jill, for joining us and for being our co-host today. It's so great to hear your voice. Well, it was fun to be back, and I'm really looking forward to being back next week when we get to interview Joshua himself. Yay! Yay! Yeah, that's gonna be yeah, that's gonna be fun, isn't it? Yes. So, yes. So we can't wait. And and and, um, and uh, about next week, um, we have amazing author. Um, let me see now. <laughs> we have. I don't know. Oh my goodness! Let me see. I've got it on my calendar. Oh, jeez, you know. Joshua Graham. <laughs> what a dork. So anyway, <laughs> that's next week. So you just so, wanted an excuse to say his name one more time. <laughs> I did. I did. That was me me acting. That was me acting. <laughs> acting stupid. <laughs> so without further delay, um, just want to say thank you again to everyone who's in the chat room. And you can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash dialogue. And please, again, um, go to Gary Ponzo's website at garyponzo.com. And you can join us at dialogue btl.com and on Facebook and Twitter. So without further delay, you take care and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye, everyone. Mm -hmm.